Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by BetSperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Um, nice little exhale uh, in the world of sports today. A uh, couple days until Another our next, our final contracts. Is that the, is that the exhale? I didn't know. I, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really think about that, but I, yeah, I, no. didn't, I didn't think we'd see anything on Jacobs, but I, there was a little part of me that believed the giants might have done something silly and, and paid, uh, which is funny. Cause like, I don't know. How, how do you rank your running back? Let's just, can we start with that before we get to the, the Wimbledon dog? Sure. Like if you had to, your top three, because I think my top three are the two I just listed and the fella in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. So two out of the three top running backs in the league just got told to pound sand, yeah. show up to, they're technically not even on the team because neither have, mm-hmm. have signed their tag. Mm-hmm. So that's why they won't be fined if they don't show up to camp. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they will lose game checks, obviously, if they don't show up to games. But a lot of that's yeah. up in the air. And that's, that's the, it's the it's, new NFL yeah. boy. It's a trick question, Andy, because my ranking of running backs it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> it's a the... sixty-four way tie for last. <laughs> Actually, we're going to talk about my favorite running back in the NFL today, Mister Justin enough. Fields. That guy's uh, that guy's that guy's electric with the ball in his hands. Uh, that's a is, little, actually, little yeah. bit of a little bit of a. Uh, he's the best running quarterback in the NFL. It's tongue tongue in cheek, um, but at the same time, yeah, I had yeah, yeah. Um, the amount of like. 40, 50, 60 yard runs he had as a quarterback was yeah. Ooh, yeah. He's he's currently athlete number one with ball in his hands only because I assume Lamar Jackson is Taysom. going to <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, it's, it's not crazy. Taysom's um, kind of fun with the ball, but yeah. Go ahead. Both, but yeah. Anyway. Uh another running back that's undercompensated though, but Justin Fields. He's uh he's not making much money this year. Um all right. I want to talk a little bit about Wimbledon. That's the big exhale. Like the the, the last last couple of weeks has been. There's been a lot going on, particularly because I've been so engaged with Wimbledon, and uh, the roller coaster of emotion that was the women's tournament was incredible. Um, the ultimate final was an absolute bust. That was one of the hardest matches to watch uh, in a long time, uh, largely Kazan's you know melted down, and you know it was. Um, it was not entirely unexpected, although I certainly felt like she had solved a lot of the mental demons on the run-up. Um, but no, when you're that close to the brass ring and uh, you're, you know, she pretty clearly had somewhat of an issue playing a, a favorite, you know, the favorite status was not something that yeah. she wore well um, because as a dog to Kvitova, she was unbelievably good. As a dog and a set down to Ravakana, she was incredible. Better, much, much, like like the best tennis she was we saw from... good. She was very good, oh, but I will yeah. put some of that on Ravakana. Like, she owed I... the world a melt because she was handed one in okay. the previous round. That's fair. But That's at fair. the same time, I, I hate saying that because she played really You're talking good about tennis. versus Sabalenka. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Excuse me. Yeah, excuse yeah, yeah. No, I, the, I hate the, and I hate comeback. to take anything away from her. Sure, she sure, played sure. very well. Uh, to- 100% the match. The, the Rubakina match, I'll give her. Yeah, Ans Ans played the best tennis on grass of any woman this whole season in the second and third sets of the Rubakina match. We saw flashes of it again in the comeback against Sabalenka. We saw it in brief the briefest of moments against Von Drusova, but Von Drusova really had the right approach, which was I'm going to come in here and um, not make mistake and. Um, you know, let's see what happens. <laughs> and what happened was a nuclear meltdown uh, on the other side of the court. And it was really, really rough. Um, that said, I look forward to um, kind of a future where Ons is going to be back in this spot again. Cause like she had a so, so much of a tough, tougher path to this year and got there. Um, and, you know, these last two years, the entire story has been about her, you know, in, you know, her pursuit of this championship and uh i will not in any way shape or form expect on anything other than another another uh try at it a dio another she'll, she'll be the best grass player for the foreseeable future and in general grass a grass career lasts longer so um yeah i'm not losing hope or faith uh but i certainly don't love the idea prospect of betting her as a favorite in the final ever <laughs> because she kind of needs that underdog mentality i think to um, you know, the two days of run up where she was the favorite, I don't think served her well. So that was tough. Yeah. And then the, uh, 
the men's and, and I the pointed this out in our, in our tennis chat too. The uh, <sighs> my in laws were in town. Can you properly frame we, it? Yeah, because so, I I've lost I mean, all perspective on how important that match was. Joker, I mean, Joker had won seven, and essentially the last four. I mean, let's just say it. Uh, only three men who are playing have won like the last what eighteen of these. It's nuts, yeah. and. Essentially, you had a clay special, not a clay specialist, because he's an extraordinary talent, but he'll always be the best on clay, like uh, out of the surfaces. I'm, I'm assuming, unless something very drastic changes. But the the way he looked during the tournament, Mr. Alcaraz, it was it's like, oh, you just this just is going to translate very nicely, and you're going to play, you know, at the highest levels on all surfaces, apparently. And then it still felt like, well, it's still joker on grass in a final on center court mm -hmm. and i don't care and the first set felt that way it's like oh man it's like yeah you know i, I wanted somewhat of a battle but man and everyone yeah a couple of people in the chat said yeah it did feel like a, a passing of the torch i didn't get to watch the first set uh, i had in-laws in town and i had to make some brunch and then i sat down and i didn't care if they wanted to hang out with me or not in that room, I was going to watch tennis. <laughs> second set was excellent. Yeah. It and was, and yeah, so then extremely I, extremely high quality. Yeah. I sat down for the beginning of the second set. And then uh, it's funny, everybody joined me and like my mother in law was. You couldn't they take had, your eyes off it. The shot had, making had, from Alcaraz. She, she was, was talking about like McEnroe and Connors and stuff. So, she hadn't yeah. watched tennis in a while. But I mean, <laughs> and they, they, so they watched a bunch of that with me. It was enjoyable that everybody kind of, the kids got sucked into it. Uh, who are we cheering for? Well, my kids always just cheer for whoever has the lead. So they became Alcaraz <laughs> fans because they joined it like two sets to one. But uh, no, it was fun. And then what the worst part about it was uh, my daughter had a softball tournament. We had to leave at 4-3. Oh. So my wife, my oh. wife. Uh, In the fifth? My wife. Yeah, my wife assumed oh. she was like, uh, I was driving. I'm like, I probably going to be in the pasture seat on my phone <laughs> so I'm sitting there and then my daughter wanted to watch it too she's peeking over the seat watching watching the last few games on the phone but yeah amazing it was uh yeah just some of the shot the, obviously the return around the post some of the passing shots some of the the little drop shots i mean and still i mean uh, half of the half of the things i just said I'm, i could be talking about either either player yeah, well, I mean, some, some of the some Djokovic, of the touch, Djokovic some couldn't of the find touch a winner Djokovic. to save his life. Yeah, he he played some amazing tennis, but he was, he, did, he was he not had, he yeah he could not hit through Alcaraz. No way. Too too many yeah too many unforced errors on his part. He was throwing up his hands a lot, and obviously, but some of the touch he still has at the net, just maddening to try to play against that. <laughs> like uh, or or when no. you come to net and he just passes you on the second the second yeah. return, it's like oh fuck. Why did I come up here? I forgot who I'm playing against. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the um, the emphatic overhead. Uh, the overhead. Joker smash. Well, it was an <laughs> Alcaraz Joker smash. Was uh, that was very nice. And then obviously, yeah, a couple of the passing shots and like uh, a couple of the challenges. It's like, how are you challenging that? And then it's like, oh my god, you're right. <laughs> my eyes are going to hell. Yeah. Um, that was the best men's men's final. Going back to probably the, the Nadal Federer eight days, um, quality was higher than Djokovic Federer, even though that was sort of the last major. That was like, so good though too. It was. That so, was because, I didn't like the ending of it. Was, no, I hated the ending. It was, but it was well, so important. It's um, it's like Joker's come uh, Joker's comeback against uh, Tsitsipas. Yeah, yeah. Like if you had yeah. Joker that day, or you took a live price, that was an amazing match. I did not. I had an outright <laughs> pre-tournament on the Greek, and because yeah. I had gyros that one day. Yeah, but even that. But I mean, like this is like you know the current best player on grass guy. You know, ten-year streak not losing on center court for Djokovic. He hadn't lost at oh, Wimbledon the, the, since twenty seventeen. Like uh, the streak, streak of tie breaks. Yeah, yeah, streak of tie breaks, calendar slam on the line, all of it. I think the pressure got to Djokovic a little bit. Uh, certainly in the in the tie break in the second set, he had some, a couple of really, really um, questionable errors that flipped that in favor of Alcaraz, I thought. Um, not to take anything away from Alcaraz, because Alcaraz was brilliant in the second set. Um, and finding that form after being so lost in the first was pretty damn impressive. Um, the wind absolutely mattered. Um, I don't know if conditions were a little different, if it was a little stiller. Uh, I don't know that Djokovic is having as much trouble on serve from set two on. 
Um, it what seemed to be in his head a little bit. Time yeah. warning in the tiebreak. I was so overdue, man. He was he was really people, people complained. Um, like, you no, can't he, do that I, in a tiebreak. It's well, like what, they should have done that an hour ago. I know that was so. That was you can you can you can take it. You can take exception to. Oh, now you're like because it did feel a little bit like. Uh, throwing that into the mix at that time had it's like some a impact, questionable roughing deal. the passer call yeah like time. or really like, oh now you're gonna call that, that? Oh, now, okay now no now it is okay yeah exactly like it just so happened to be pretty advantageous timing for his opponent now it didn't ever matter it didn't matter he held serve held serve the next two points so uh, i'm glad that it wasn't super impactful um but the um but he was abusing the he was abusing the time and you know seven time champion he's on center court it's the fucking Wimbledon final you know he's gonna do that he's gonna he's gonna take all the time he freaking feels like um, it's funny and I, yeah. I made a comment I'm like he's getting frustrated and I was just talking to my father in law yeah. about it I said I said you know if it were hardcore I'd you'd think you'd see a racket smash it's harder on grass just because the surface is soft and then, and then not it. too long later he, he, <laughs> he fi- did it where there's a will there's a way he found that wooden <laughs> post and beat the shit out of it it was it's awesome. funny when they zoomed awesome. in on the uh on the on the you know the awesome. dents yeah it, it was it was it was an incredible match incredibly important match where in this transitioning time i do do not think this is one-way traffic now for alcaraz us open is going to be extremely competitive between those two if they even get to the final um australian open is going to be extremely competitive to those to the two people think of djokovic as like he owns wimbledon no he owns he owns melbourne like that's his that's his house when they Um, when they let him yeah when they let him in yeah of course um but uh yeah it's it's the next the next year you know first of all the run-up to the u.s open is going to be amazing uh and the next year of men's tennis is watching these two duke it out at the highest level and trying to find small you know small indicators to to steer you in the right direction in every one of their matchups is going to be unbelievably fun um very very lucky to be on the right side in the last two and you know i don't think it's a bad strategy just to blindly take the dog every time these guys play until Djokovic is really like has really taken a step backwards. Um, also excited for Alcaraz French Open versus Nadal. Ugh, man, like that's going to be unbelievable. Yeah, I do future. hope he's healthy next oh, year. Oh my god, I, Nadal is uh, certainly my, my going to point to kinda, we'll try and get one more French Open. The bow I'd want to put on this too was the like the the training team for Alcaraz realizing like. Hey, we can't have this cramping shit. Yeah, right, sure. You know, like he he was drinking little vials of God knows what it whatever, was, pickle yeah. juice with salt and you know whatever it is to get you know hammer as many electrolytes into you as possible so you don't have to deal with it because that cramping ruined probably what was going to be the match of the, the year. Well, like this it, it was, started that way. And yeah, then, this was yeah, the Wimbledon then, final, championship final. I mean. Well, and then and then, yeah, and then yes, it's, be it. it's good yeah. that we got the the match yeah. of the year anyway. So. Yeah, excited to see Alcaraz try to take the crown from Nadal on clay next year. I think that's really a very real exciting possibility. Um, cool that Alcaraz stopped uh, Djokovic from tying Federer with eight titles. Did you catch that little subtlety? Yeah. Uh, so Federer's record stands is at eight Wimbledon's um, for now. Uh, pretty amazing that the calendar slam was interrupted, and then uh, yeah, the tying of Margaret Court's overall slam record interrupted. So, um, pretty uh, pretty cool drama in men's tennis all of a sudden, which is great. Um, and uh, yeah, sudden uh, you know I got to do some tennis content for the first time in a while, which was cool. Our friends at Sports Trade had me on for a couple of shows where we watched Ons and uh, watched Alcaraz and and traded. Uh, particularly the Ons Sabalenka match was super super fun. Uh, hopefully we can do more stuff with those guys. I'm that glad you fun. had that one because I didn't. You didn't. I missed the one, but didn't you have the Rune match? Oh, we had Alcaraz Rune, yeah, Rune, and, and it was just was... like it wasn't a good training match. But the, the, well, the it, women's it, the women's it, match yeah. turned out to be a good one. Rune, the the whole strategy of Rune was like, hope he takes that first set even in a tie break and then trade the shit out of it after that trade out of it. Yeah. Um, whereas the ons match was take ons. If she loses, take more women. And so women's tennis out. is always going to be more fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but so. uh, no, it was fun. It was fun uh, using their app. It was fun doing that. Um, you're going to do, um, you're going to go back to the yeah, well and do today, find, find some winners for the open. Today's bears and Packers podcast is brought to you by sport <laughs> trader friend, uh, uh, New Jersey and Colorado. If you want to, trade as drew has been and i will be on some uh golf this week at the open you can check out a link with a special offer for you in the show notes and in the youtube 
I don't know, description box where the words are. There'll be some links in there. It's a ton of fun. I'm going to start looking at a little deeper tomorrow and have some, probably have some positions I'm going to take for the, the British Open. I'll just call it. I don't know why they just stopped doing it. That Tom <laughs> Lehman, Tom Lehman was my favorite golfer growing up because he was from Minnesota mm-hmm. and he won the British Open. So it'll always be the British Open. I, it's funny too. I just got a, an email from the director of the 3M saying Tom Lehman will be in the field. I'm like, what? He's like seven. It, it turns out it's his kid. Thomas oh, yeah. Lehman. Yeah, Dan, Dan got the same email. because I had the same trip doing my research for the Packers today. And uh, there's a uh, uh, there's a guy in the roster named Benny Sapp. And I was like, the 42-year-old defensive back? Benny Sapp? No way. It's Benny Sapp the third. Um, but uh, are you going to go the same approach for the Open as you did for the US Open? Pick four guys, try to catch some prices, see if they come down, and then actively manage? Or what's, what's the strategy? Yeah, a little trickier, I think, with the okay. – Lynx golf, it's like, hey, have you if you played there's two ways to be good at Lynx golf. It's playing a bunch of Lynx golf or being Colin Morikawa and just like, oh, it turns out he was just like a top ten golfer anyway. Didn't matter if he only got to like one practice round on it. So um yeah, it's a little I feel like it's gonna be a little more top heavy. It's it's okay. tough. Uh but yeah, I think yeah, with, with Rory at seven to one, as Patrick's alluding to in the chat. There's some value. There's some value a little further down the board. So I'm going to try to find some people in that 40 to 60 range who uh, I think can shoot up the board a little. Okay. Very cool. Well, uh, let me know who you pick, and I'll uh, ride that with you. We'll actively manage our uh, our sports trade accounts. Um, I love how actively manage. <laughs> Such a, like a little a little nod and a wink. Uh, but uh, yes, uh, yeah, let's, the Bears. Let's, let's the Bears. The Bears. Off yeah, you got the uh, second what, straight year. What uh, so the Bears were the one number one pick last year, which means they have the worst record in football. <clears throat> uh, would you qualify that as a failure or a success? It was a success. Twenty twenty two was a success for the Bears. In some sense, it's it's I don't hard. I think that's crazy. I think it, that's it right. It was, but in the same sense, I think getting what they got in the draft, getting what they were able to trade that pick for having uh you know that much draft capital and having that much cap room to make some because it wasn't just oh they had this cap room no they made moves the you know getting rid of mac and some, some of the other stuff they've done uh over the past few years like they made moves to make this cap room so having that amount of cap room and having that draft capital that was a huge win but at the same time i feel like we really don't know if Justin Fields is ever going to be a good passer. Like we learned nothing about his, his, I don't know, kind of his progression as a passer. We learned he's like you said, one of the most electric quarterbacks with the ball in his hands when he's out in space or, you know, you know, a broken down play where he has to make something happen. Mm-hmm. But with the wide receivers and the <clears throat> offensive line, they rolled out and, it's one of those things where you just don't know if it's it's full chicken egg. It's, hey, was he shit because the offensive line was shit and the wide receiver room was bottom five? Or would he have been shit with good receivers and a good offensive line too? We, we're no no sooner to knowing that answer. I think a lot of people have opinions on that. I'm, I'm still kind of juries out on it. I think that sucks. Uh, I think I like the, I like the coach. I liked what they did because a lot of it just came down to, you know what you have, like let him cook a little and, you know, they end up in some close games. I don't think they actively tanked, but some of the, you know, some of the moves they made, made their defense, which was bad, already kind of worse, which Mm -hmm. is a good, a good way to tank is just let the other team score a lot, which is what you have when you have a, a defense that bad. And truthfully, the, the biggest thing that comes away from me with the the Bears truthers, if you will, the people who, you know, it's almost like two and on, where the, the people are like, oh man, like this year, you know, there's so many things were so close. Like how how wily were they by losing all those close games? <sighs> close games, and I'm going to tie the Vikings into this a little, even though we're going to talk about them Wednesday. I know the Vikings were very lucky. Obviously, the Bills game, the Colts game, the the God, there was one more where they came. The Saints game was like the, I think that was a sixty-yard kick or whatever. There's there were some thin margins, but to put in those positions and to have all those close wins, it speaks to a good passing game. 
Like if you're in a game late and it's close and you have a shitty passing game and you need to score quickly and the entire stadium knows you're not going to be good at throwing the ball and moving quickly in that kind of offense. And they can kind of tune in on, we'll just keep him, you know, keep him contained. Yeah. It's, it's, it's going to lose you a lot of close games. It's similar to the, Hey, if you can't stop the run, uh, you know, you're going to not get the ball back. If you can run the ball, you're going to be able to protect leads pretty well. Yeah. You know, even, even if it's just, uh, you know, you don't even have to have a good running back. You have like three good running backs and a running quarterback and a good sneak package. Like yeah. if you can convert first downs on the ground late with leads, like, these things matter. And it, it just felt like it wasn't that they lost these close games on purpose or they were so close to being a good team. It's like, no, yeah. man, that a passing offense was destined to lose close games yeah so my recollection was they didn't have very many close losses like it wasn't even like they couldn't get it across the finish line it was mostly like they started out games well mm-hmm. and then they just faded and a lot of it was because their defense was really really poor um the like you said that's the other half of that equation yeah too, they just, like, they just when you, when you are able like to that. start out with some good yeah. drives yeah, and your defense plays like that is, I mean, Lipscomb says JV secondary. Yeah, yeah. So going into 2022, if you were to step back and say, what are the Bears? They were pretty clearly the they were tied at least for me with the Texans as the worst roster in the NFL. They had weaknesses everywhere. They had a couple of players that were good that were only really valuable as assets in trades, like Khalil Mack sending him to the Chargers, getting something. Um, I forget what the other guy who they the other pass rusher Robert uh, Quinn. Uh, you know they had they had a couple of like uh you know guys who were long in the tooth on the defensive side of the ball that they needed to get out of the building uh, and try to get some assets for. Um, and because last year they had no draft at capital. Like you know, in the at the end of the um uh the Ryan uh, Pace era, they traded away a ton in a last ditch effort to put together winning football. And so polls took over with virtually no draft capital and no talent on that roster. And Justin Fields was a huge question mark. Uh, and the best thing that they possibly could have helped, hoped for heading into 2022 was, boy, I hope we see some flashes from Fields that says he is a project worth, worth building around while at the same time losing a shit ton of games. And that's kind of the best outcome they could have hoped for and exactly what they got last year, right? I agree with what you said about the coaching staff. They showed some signs of life in the right areas. I agree with what you said about, uh, you know, fields. And, um, you know, he's pretty clearly an elite athlete. Um, you know, anytime you can put the ball in the hands of the best player on the field, you know, the most athletic player on the field, every single snap, like magic's going to happen that from time to time. Um, and they came into this draft cycle with the number one overall pick and, and you know, made a good deal with the Carolina Panthers where they brought another, not just draft capital for the future back, but a guy that can, can, that can help you immediately answer some questions about Justin Fields and DJ Moore. That was pretty smart. Uh, I won't say they picked the Panthers' pocket, but they got every single penny for that dollar <laughs> in that trade, uh, and maybe even more. Like they may have gotten a dollar ten, a dollar twenty for what that trade, you know, what that that first pick was worth. Um, and they didn't, you know, they didn't move so far down in the first round that they're not going to get a guy who can, you know, potentially make an impact in the short term for them. Um, now, most of their investments this offseason, I am scratching my head about. And we'll get to off-season grades in just a bit. Um, but I wanted to kind of focus on a couple of things from the 2022 Bears season before we move on. And we're going to try to keep these 2022 recaps a little bit tighter. But Bears were miserable, I guess. Yeah, spread. there were just so many they funny ones to talk about with the There Bears. were some funny like, ones. We talked they, about the Raiders yeah. so much. But they the, were, the Bears yeah. season, yeah. The, the, the 2022 recap is the defense sucked and it got mm-hmm. worse. After yeah. ruining my survivor leagues, yes, I, I was going to bring that up first. In a in a mud bowl, the mud yeah. bowl was something. Bears were five and eleven against the spread. They were miserable, or five eleven and one, I guess. Um, one push against Houston Texans uh, in a win. Uh, yeah, the the win week one in the in the pouring rain over Trey Lance and the Niners was the um, the survivor buster that everyone was. Um, hoping for who were playing in the high stakes leagues, I guess, but it took a lot of people out because they were uh, pretty significant dogs in that game. Um, they're two and one after beating the Texans and losing to the uh, Packers. They were three and four 
uh, through week seven. Their week three win as eight and a half point dogs to the New England Patriots was memorable for the Bailey Zappi game, right? That was the one where they pulled yeah. Mac Jones after a quarter and a half, two quarters in prime time, and they put in Zappi and Zappi stuck. It was not good. Um, and the Bears won going away 33-14. And that kind of at that point in the season as a three and four team, and what you were seeing from fields in terms of progression was probably enough to tell you like, okay, like we've, we've answered some questions now let's lose. And boy, did they lose? <clears throat> they lost from week eight out. Uh, they only covered twice once against Miami by a point uh, and once against Philly by three points. Uh, it was an ugly, ugly time to be a bears backer down the stretch. If you were betting on them, hopefully you are not. Um, and yeah, after that, after that win, the fewest over, points they allowed over, 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 yeah, uh, yeah the, they were getting yeah, consistently the lined in the lows 40s. Yeah, was, was Philly out of all the teams, yeah, because they gave up 49, 35, 31, 27, 31, 28, 35, 41, and 29. Mm -hmm. And the lowest was a 20 to 25 loss to the Eagles after their bye week. But mm -hmm. yeah, there was a bunch of games where. Their defense just looks, uh, I mean, lost. And again, it was good. This was a good thing. You want, hey, let's make some strides with this offense. Let's see what we get of this kid. And we know the defense is very much lacking bodies yeah. at this point. Yeah. And they were and they were a dead nut over for the entire middle of the season because their offense could get you a couple of drives early, score, you, score some points to make it uh, an offensive game, and then their defense just laid down like ducks. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, uh, it was a team that was a, it was a rock solid bet to the over as they were consistently opening these markets in the low forties, high thirties, uh, at the yeah. beginning of the season. And then that trickled up to 48, 49, uh, 52 and a half, uh, in that second to last game at Detroit. So even with the, uh, a bunch of these games outdoors in the cold of, of soldier field in the cold winter, uh, up in Chicago on the, on Lake Michigan, uh, didn't matter. Still, they were able to take a bunch of these games over, which should tell you that there's some 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 positive sign from that offense. Because if you don't have a two way contest, this, these games aren't going over. I, none of the rest of the games are really ones that I want to point to, other than um, uh, you know they gave you a game effort against Philly. They were always going to lose that game, but you know that was sort of their their last stand, you know, for the season before really packing it in. I thought. Um, anything else stand out to you in terms of some of their, uh, their, their, um, effort down the stretch? No, I had to go. I was trying to remember who started the last game. Cause I knew that cousins gave way to Mullins after a while, but Nathan Peterman. Was it was a Peterman Tim Boyle contest. <laughs> Tim, Tim Boyle uh, came into that game as well. So, um, yeah, interesting, kind of an interesting season, I suppose in the, in the grand scheme of it, because it, it did feel like. Oh man, are they are they kind of good? After because you know the the mud wind was one thing, but it's like how they beat the Texans and you know kind of hung with the Giants. That game was in the balance for a little bit towards the end, and I mean even that Vikings game, it wasn't it wasn't just complete one way, and then it it did go downhill, especially after the New England game. And some of that was roster stuff. Some of that was just teams kind of figuring out how to how to beat this defense, and then you start losing some defensive players as well on purpose. I mean, that's kind of how things are going to head. It wasn't like they had an easy schedule. Like you said, you know, Minnesota was a good offense. The Jets turned out to be a lot better than we thought. The Lions offense was very good. They played the Cowboys. They played, you know, the the Eagles and Bills down the stretch. This weren't all it's not like they had good easy games as well. Yeah, no, and I I would have power rated. I would not have had them the thirty two power rank team towards the end of the season. No way. Uh, I would have taken them as you know in a pick them over the likes of the Colts and you know some of the other really really poor teams in the NFL at the end of last year. Yeah. But <clears throat> they get the number one pick, and Poles does his. He does a very very decent job of shopping that pick in a way that I thought was like I was critical. I guess a bit. It felt like he was like telling people, oh, we got great offers. Everybody wants this. We're getting incredible stuff. And I was like, yeah, okay, sure you are. Prove it. And then actually got a great offer for that. Pick. I mean, there were. <laughs> I like, oh, oh, okay. I we'll, we'll never know. We'll never know. You know unless, yeah. 
unless these other GMs come out and say like, yeah, we, we had a, a deal almost made, you know, with some of these other teams in the top 10, but uh, there were, you know, there were rumors of several different teams looking at it. And then obviously mm-hmm. the Carolina offer came through. It was like you said, I think you, you phrased it. Well, it wasn't like highway robbery, but it was good. Yeah. Cause I was a little, I was a little worried after we had the Claypool trade. It's like, Oh no. Yeah. Is this guy like, is, is this guy, the guy who trades his pudding cup for fish sticks, like yeah. at lunch. Yeah. Is, this, is this, uh, is this a problem? Cause essentially you traded a first rounder for Claypool, which was, once we found out that wasn't the other second round pick, it was their first round pick. It's like, oh, second that's round, not yeah, good. The first pick in the second round, yeah. Yeah, it's a key. Yeah. Ended up being the 32nd pick with uh, Miami doing what they did. I thought it was a good trade. They made out well. You got a receiver. You ended up getting, you know, still a top 10 pick at that point. You got, you got your another piece to the offensive line after adding one in free agency. And that's so like Davis, Wright, and DJ Moore. And then I'm kind of out on a lot of the other moves. <laughs> I, I guess, you know. Yeah, the, which when, I get. When your biggest yeah. free agency splashes, uh, as far as money goes, or linebackers, not in love with that. I know they need help at all three levels, but, and they're probably, they're knowing, hey, we're not a year away from like competing in the NFC here. Maybe it was just like, Hey, let's get, what we can get these guys are in the market right now. And we think these are valuable. It's like, uh, Patrick says, congrats on your linebacking core. That's not probably what wins games when mm-hmm. the secondary played as poorly as it did. And they trotted out what they did for yeah. a pass rush at this point. <laughs> so it's, it's a little, it's a little worrisome that this is going to be the, the pass rusher and, secondary we're going to war with but yeah. at the same time i don't know like can it's that kind of league now if you fix your offense maybe it doesn't matter as much okay so the ryan poles tenure is really really confusing crazy 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 mixed signals from this guy he'll in one week do something that is like yes he sees things he gets it this is awesome and then Right, turn right around and do something that makes you say, "Uh oh," and the it's signal. The signal is all over the place. It's not to say that he ultimately can't figure some things out, but it's pretty clear he prioritized in the in the in the in the moment of um of getting uh you know getting DJ Moore back right uh you know that it that kind of helps I think explain some of his thinking maybe on the Claypool thing, which is. Like, all right, this offense is so bad. We don't have we don't have nearly enough skill position players to really even give Fields a chance. We need some warm bodies out here. I'll overpay. I don't, you know, we'll we'll take a swing. He way overpaid, and you know that's something you can be critical on. But I get in general his thinking and his the the, the you know the conceptual framework isn't crazy. Um, much much better job getting a player like DJ Moore than a player like Chase Claypool for the price you got him for. Um, and just in general, I think the, you know, the, you know, their path through the draft and like, okay, we need to build through, you know, we need to build the trenches on the offensive line through some young players and coach and like them that. up and that's cool. But then the signing the linebackers is like, okay, well, this is, you're, you're putting finishing, these are like finishing touches moves, not like we have, we need warm bodies who we can develop and, you know, try to get, uh, you know, try to get a, an average or above average defense at some point. Because as currently rostered, I guess actually, let's just go through the moves real quick here. Yeah, this I got is them funny too. Up. Like uh, that yeah. that pick was Joey Porter Jr. The pick they ended yeah, up a guy that would have been absolutely perfect for exactly what you needed. Like that, yeah. the, the the hindsight well, the hindsight regret on that. That's and the, and the other point too is it's not as if there weren't free agent defensive yeah. backs out there. Sure. Uh, there was there were some decent pieces that moved around that they probably should have been a little more in on okay couple thoughts dj moore bring him in as a wide receiver good player it's not enough to really elevate your skill position group to one that i'm going to write home about but it's it was a good move uh tj edwards and tremaine edward edmonds uh redundancy obviously both play linebacking linebacking position um are we are those basically they're starting inciting linebackers too i think they are uh, they're going to start them at week and middle 
Okay, great. You got two off-ball linebackers. Yikes. Uh, you know, those guys are fine players. They're above replacement level. Better but hope, that, tell, hope they both lose 20 pounds and get faster. Really, really, really weird. Um, Deontay, Don, yeah, Don, Dante Foreman, uh, no, doesn't move the needle for me. Robert Tanyan doesn't move the needle for me. Um, and uh, and then everybody else that you brought in, uh, including Clay, Chase Claypool, is replacement level-ish. Uh, and just like I, I'm not sure I see the vision here in terms of remember that one week where you had four touchdowns like three years ago though okay yeah <laughs> guys they lost David Montgomery doesn't really move the needle for me uh they no, I think he's good. gonna be he's gonna be fine where he landed yeah but. sure oh yeah but but not you know they they had the next guy next next man up is yeah Herbert's Herber fine. Is gonna be fine uh letting um offensive lineman Sam Mustafer go was a weird one that kind of speaks to don't really know how to evaluate your own guys because i thought he played well last year uh i don't even know if i'm pronouncing his name right but like my player level grade for him was you know above above replacement level and i think he actually is a nice addition for baltimore um everybody else they let walk out the door was replacement level or worse yeah riley reef is old um i think he i'll double check this he ended up somewhere in the afc east um and then yeah it's it, a lot of it wasn't you know like, like the roquan thing that was that's you don't rebuild by paying him i guess you know that that was yes. that was that was the correct move like i don't want to say uh, i don't care if roquan left yeah roquan's a very good player but given the uh, the contract status and where they were in their rebuild like that's the correct move in that sense so yeah and then it's like it's, but then like i, I hate to give it like uh, a i hate to give it a low grade because they they fell into the first pick and they you know not only did that but they leveraged it into a good trade so i'm gonna give them a b minus even though they probably deserve a little lower Okay, I'm giving just, him a C because there's yeah, A's, there's A's and F's in there, man. <laughs> this is yeah. This is you got a 60 on this test and 100 on this one. It just it felt is, bad giving is. him a C when you were able to to actually make a decent trade with the first pick. So here's the but. key question. Here's here's the key question, right? It, it, going back to our 2022 goals, right? I agree with your sentiment. The Bears, if the Bears think that they're competing for a division this year, I got terrible news for them. Um, they may luck into a division comp- competition because the NFC North is really bad, and the margins between the fourth team and the Bears and the first team and the Lions is not that big. Um, and but that said, like, like these, when I'm, I'm blowing, I'm, I'm, you know, spoiler alert for Ranger outcomes. The Bears could make the playoffs this year. They're going to be the most aggressive fade I may have all playoffs betting against them in that spot in that home game uh, because they're only getting in the playoffs with an NFC North title, I think. Um, that said, um, the success for this team this year is really defined by Justin Fields taking the step forward from QB, who we believe we can build around, to QB we will extend. We need to. We they need to make the decision on the fifth, the fifth year option based on his quality of play this year, which means success is deter, is entirely contingent on protection and skill position players you put around him. Do you think that they did enough there? I think you have a decent like the fact that Claypool isn't expected to be your one, and you still you know you got you got three receivers that make up a a wide receiver core and then you have your tight end as well who's not bad like it's respectable i guess so i think dj moore is very good and he can be a threat the main concern is like fields didn't love throwing into tighter coverages okay. kind of refused to do it and you know that and then to exacerbate that you had bad wide receivers who don't find themselves you know wide open all that much with better wide receivers, you're going to be able to rely on those guys to find seams in the zone and you know work their way open in man coverage a little better. But if you don't progress as a, as a passer in throwing guys open, throwing you know the right direction, ball placement in tight coverages, you're just never going to be above replacement level. Like, and the only you know the, there's a scenario where he doesn't get there, but his legs are so good. That it's like, hey, he's he's like the twelfth best quarterback and the twenty third best passer. You yeah. know that's that's yeah. that's a thing that can happen. I don't think that gets you like 
success as a franchise. I don't know that that, you know, it, it takes a very specific roster, I think, to compete with that. Okay. Um, to like win win multiple playoff games it's like hey we can't rely on him as a passer in late game situations um you know we're we're more predicated on this defense we built over the last 3 years and his electric running game and we have you know we have we have a good tight end or something you know there we have we have a good short passing game we cross the road 100 times to get to the end zone kind of stuff mm-hmm. like it, it's hard to see long term extended High end success like that. So, like, unless he takes a big step forward, fuck, they're they're gonna end up with the Daniel Jones conundrum. And I don't know. Daniel Jones had a very nice year last year. I think a lot of that was getting the right coaches in place. But it's one of those where it's like, man, he's right on the line here between should we do this or not? Okay. I would say that there. If you if you can provide a decent enough protection and scheme around fields, there is very very perfectly there's very uh, you know there's perfectly valid evidence on tape that fields can give you the type of production that you got, uh, or at least eighty percent of the type of production you got from Lamar Jackson uh, in his early stint with the Ravens. Now the Ravens had one uh, you know an incredible defense at that time, and they had. Um, you know, they, they, you know, good complementary defense and they had a perfect scheme designed to, you know, you make the best of Lamar Jackson, which is why that was such, you know, such a dynamic team. Um, and I don't see that necessarily in Chicago, but I do see, think that, you know, what you've got on tape, if you put, you know, an elite protection in front of him, a lot of those questions and problems, you know, really like let him learn to be a passer because you're giving him time to do the job is important part of it. Right. And I think that was probably a little, you know, handled a little carelessly. Like if you wanted to take the money you spent on two off ball linebackers and just get more talented, you know, get more talented uh, or you know, use that money to somehow bring in an Orlando Brown type of player and like really bolster this offensive line with some true blue chips. I would have rather seen that because then you're actually going to find out what your ceiling is with fields and you're going to give them a year to learn how to play the position as a, you know, more complete player because his athleticism and his ability on the ground is undeniable. And yeah, I, would, I would have just got a shitload of younger um, pass sure. rush depth and like sure. one more really good offensive lineman. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Allocation of resources. Hey, we have like seven guys that might be yeah. good pass rushers here. Yeah. And there were a lot of rumors out. about guy, you know, guys who were targeting, and every rumor I heard was like, Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That is a great idea. Do that. Um, and they they for whatever reason didn't quite put all the pieces together this year. So I don't know that they're gonna answer that question in 2023, which I think is why offseason grade is has to be a C. Like you really did not set yourself up to answer the most important question of the franchise. Yeah you're still going to have lingering doubts in the back of your head with the tape you see from fields this year, unless your offensive line as a unit takes a step forward and gives him, uh, you know, the ability to operate in uh, you know, a more complete manner. Cause otherwise, like if you, if you have the athleticism he has and given the current state of the way defenses are playing in the NFL, he is still, he is a legitimate cheat code. Like his athleticism is going to be able to continue to sustain drives and, you know, unlock parts of the field that you can then take some shots. His deep ball is a beauty, um, you know, and you have now a, you know more talented skill position players in your locker room for wide receiver standpoint. So, uh, you know, potentially a little bit more consistency in sort of the intermediate passing game on top of the deep stuff being available. Like all of those things are good, but you need more, you need protection. And right now I make the Chicago offensive line as a unit 26 best in the NFL. Yeah, it's, it's hard because you probably have a, you know, you have an incomplete at right tackle. You know, oh, we surely. don't know. We don't know what we're going to get. If he plays, you know, like we've seen some of these, the good rookie tackles, none of them came out of the gate over the, you know, over the last five years. It doesn't feel like we've seen a lot of these at the end of the year. We say, Hey, like, you know, uh, who was it for the giants? Andrew, where yeah. can I never, yeah. never remember this guy's name. Andrew. Like at the end, end of the year, <laughs> he was okay. Like it was like, all right. He, yeah. But all of these, it's it's like, oh man, even like Andrew worse. Thomas. Andrew Thomas, it's like, man, you weren't great to start the season. It feels like it, it, there is a big learning curve when you're starting right off the bat in your tackle. It's it's tough. And, you know, if you get more out of Braxton, 
he continues his ascent and you get anything by like mid season, you have two good tackles. Maybe we're there. Maybe it's like a middle of the pack where it's, it's in the, you know, a big chunk in the middle of the pack of the cloud there mm-hmm. of uh offensive lines, but it doesn't have like top 12 upside. No. Yet. And you know, you got to add pieces. Yeah. Honestly, the more important thing, even you, then your tackle spot, because like if fields is flushed, like, advantage bears <laughs> like yeah. you know if, if he if your right side collapses and he's flushed you know he's flushed uh he sees it coming because that's his you know his, his visible side uh and your left tackle is holding up and he can get around him like you know he's gonna he's gonna cook you for 12 you know 15 yards it's you know you don't want him on the second level you're gonna have to spy him um but the interior offensive line is really where i have huge questions because if you just kind of if yeah if you'd gotten a couple of uh, viable guards or yeah, guys that didn't Cody need White help, um, I don't know. He's been around for feels like forever. Uh, he was just, he was only drafted in 2016, so not that only long. 31. Um, maybe it's his name. I don't <laughs> even. His hair's white. I, I mean, yeah, but I mean, like seriously, like that guy. He's replacement level at the center position. Your two guards are both below. Um, Kevin Jenkins is not really developing as a viable left guard, in my opinion. Nate Davis doesn't move the needle for me at right guard. Um, yeah, this is this interior offensive line is going to give up pressure. So when you face a team that has some big, big bodies on the interior D line um, and is coming, you know, is, is able to collapse the pocket with interior pressure, I just I don't know that you're going to get what you want on those downs, obvious passing downs, especially out of fields, and it's going to make it feel like an incomplete that you just don't know what you have yet. Um, yeah. and that, so that's kind of that alone, you know, the fact that the offensive line is still in my mind, a pretty subpar unit is enough for me to say that this offense has a, has a ceiling, even with the cheat code, getting the ball in his hand on every snap. So fields MVP out, um, bears. Well, he's like 18 to one at some places. True. <sighs> it's been beat up to hilarious levels. So yeah. Yeah. And some, Best some good points to here too. Yeah. It. Charles Paul Saul points out the offensive line depth. Uh, oh, it's, lacking. oh, it's bad. It's Oof. very much lacking. Um, Sam Lipscomb pointing out he invites, you know, fields invites pressure. Yes. He does hold the ball too long. Somebody pointed that out. Patrick pointed that out as well. And then yes, um, you know, I, defenses I will say, are going to play contain. I, I will point defenses out. Defenses are going to try to adjust to him and say like, I dare you to, you know, We'll see if your guys can beat a, you know, if we're, if we have a good enough pass rush and some secondary pieces, like, mm-hmm. fuck, it, we're, fuck it, we're playing man. Yeah. We're not going to blitz this guy. Mm-hmm. We're going to play contain. We're going to say, mate, beat us, beat us in tight coverages, beat us with our, our best corner on DJ Moore. We'll yeah. see if you can throw into tight windows, try to beat us with your arm. And yeah, yeah team teams will, you know, adjust to this and without having really 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 combed through the tape my gut is that some of that data is a little noisy because fields is elite athleticism and just his quick twitch is good enough that if there were breakdowns interior you know in the you know there are breakdowns straightforward well yeah but but if there are breakdowns he was well aware and there were lots of snaps that their breakdowns were quick and violent uh you know with the offensive line last year and so it was like Yes, time, you know, like technically he like if he threw it away or if he made a deep pass, like there was a big gap of time there. But I would definitely be curious to know how much of that was him eluding pressure within the pocket before ultimately throwing it away or making a minus EV pass uh, versus just him doing the, the standing for too long, not not processing, not kind of recognizing that there was ultimately going to be an issue because I test wise and just back of my head, like it didn't really feel like the issues were a hundred percent on him with the time. It was like as much as a quarterback owns a huge proportion of the sack percentage. I don't know that I felt super strongly that way about fields because so many of the breakdowns were so quick. And some of the time I think was, uh, you know, him just buying himself more time in the pocket as opposed to holding onto the ball too long. But I don't know. And yeah, I'm, Patrick, I'm yeah, he was proven wrong about that. Patrick says he was fifth in A dot. Some of it was just go look at his total attempts. I mean, it's it's gonna be a lot different than some of the guys who throw the ball a lot. But he he was sort of thriving in, in the intermediate stuff. He wasn't bad again. That I think you look at where where do breakdowns happen when you play as you know, when you're playing against a zone. You know, you're not finding seams in the zone 
three yards down the field. Obviously, you do that sort of stuff comes all the time, no matter what the defense is. If you can leak a running back out or you can, you know, uh, have a tight end chip blocking and just grabbing the ball real quick. But he was finding guys open in the intermediate a lot. So it, it was a weird sample size thing. But at the same time, he wasn't bad, um, you know, 15 yards down the field for sure. Um, and yeah, there's had Sam's pointing out. There's starting to be a negative correlation between um, between A dot and efficiency. And obviously, it wasn't the most efficient quarterback. Let's uh, and like I said, it was a tough schedule in a weird year where they were just constantly losing pieces rather than adding. So let's look at the uh, let's look at the 2023 schedule and who they will face in this first year of the actual re re rebuild. Get rid of Patrick using the damn way here. <sighs> Obviously, you play your, you know, it's not a tough schedule because, you know, the joke we made all last week was like, well, you play Kansas City twice. You're going to have a tough schedule automatically. Well, and this is, hey, you get to play three teams that, you know, uh, overperformed last year in the Vikings and the Lions haven't fixed anything and Green Bay starting a new quarterback. So, I don't have this as a terrible schedule. You know, obviously there's some bad spots. The Chargers spot isn't easy. Um, the Detroit, Minnesota back to back before the bye kind of stinks, even though we just said the, you know, the the division's not that tough. But I mean, really, it's just hey, take your take your lumps. You go to Tampa Bay, and then you come back home, fly out to Kansas City to get the shit kicked out of you, and then you know you have a stretch of coin flips. And I think that's that's where I'm going to do a lot of my judgment is. Coin flips against good to above average defenses. Yeah. Like, uh, Den- Denver, Denver's a good one. Like Denver has some good secondary pieces. If he just no shows at home versus Denver coming off the Kansas City game as a passer, it's a black mark on your record. You know, uh, Minnesota's maybe not a good bellwether of how you do against secondaries. Honestly, there's a couple of those too. But like there's a few spots here. It's like, man, how, how are you going to play against? a decent secondary now that you've got some weapons, now that we've invested a little in the offensive mm-hmm. line. And obviously everything's going to come with the caveats of, oh, shit, the rookie doesn't get it. And, you know, uh, the, the right guard and maybe the whole right side, Davis and the rookie just aren't gelling. The right side's been a disaster. Like I hate that we're going to have to do this again. And you've pointed this out several times already, but I'm going to be very annoyed if we have to throw a fucking asterisk on this whole season again, we're just like, they didn't fix the offensive line. Uh, more is good, but nobody else is contributing. And we still have an incomplete on Justin Fields at the end of the year. Like if we, we're just going to do this in perpetuity or what? Well, I mean, they love them uh, in that building. Um, yeah. So the, uh, the general read, uh, and by the way, threes were widely available for, for, you know, plus sorry, minus three was, Sorry, plus three was widely available for Green Bay. It's moved to two and a half since we made these week one week ago. So someone's out there, uh, you know, breaking down week one games and taking some positions right now, which is fascinating in and of itself. Um, and I think realistically, this the games you want to circle here as games where the offense is maybe not going to look quite as good as we hope are the games where you're going up against a defense with really, really good interior defensive line play like Tampa Bay and Vita Vea. Week two, yeah. he could be a game wrecker. Uh, Deron Payne and Jonathan Allen, week five. Ooh, buddy. Uh, Washington might be a beauty of a bet on that Thursday night football game. Cleveland's, Although, Cleveland's boy, entire boy, front. Maybe it's just maybe that's just an underplay, actually, because those yeah. Chicago-Washington games, and I feel like those games end 10-7 every time they play for whatever reason. Um, the uh, uh, Early, early season like, Thursday night football. Games like, play. yeah, you mentioned it, Minnesota, Vegas, you get them at home. Those are two defenses you should be able to put some serious amount of points on. Like, you, there's a, this is a zigzaggy total team. Uh, the way I'm looking at this right now. Um, and yeah, you play some bad yeah. secondaries and then you go on the road and play a team that at least has the pieces to be a very good secondary in, in the Chargers. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, it's, it is a little zigzag as far as that goes. And, and, actually, and like you, know you mentioned, too, some, some of these pass rushes, too. It's, it's, the good defenses they play are week two, three, four, five. <laughs> it's like, okay, you got uh, good interior pressure, two, three, and five. Those are those are games where your offense is probably going to look pretty bad. That's all early in the season, and then you got to play D- Denver mixed in there, which has the best secondary in the NFL. Like there is a very realistic chance that you are one in 
four or zero and five because of your schedule and the defenses you played when you go in that game versus Minnesota, and that total might be might have just completely imploded, and that might be the over total inside season. Be side correlated, be, side might, correlated yeah, bears be the over. Too. Um, Bears, yeah, yeah. Uh, week. So this would be the second of. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. We're looking at like the eleventh of October. Our our secret team total will be the Bears over. Bears versus, over. Yeah. Versus Minnesota, like oh, they're they're looking like they can't get anything going. Welcome look to in, Minnesota. Look into your crystal ball and tell me what the what the uh, what the you, you're you're well you're plugged into the Chicago scene. You're you're like the most prolific blogger on Bleach, Bleacher Nation. Uh, oh, God, what yeah. what are the Bears faithful going to be saying if this is an 0 and 5 team and the offense is struggling to get to 20 points through 5 weeks? They're going to be sad. <laughs> They're going to be calling. I mean at that point there's going to be articles written about like when do we throw Getsy under the bus here? Like yeah. this is the wrong, you know, because at that point it's too early for the for a coach, um, especially early on in a, a tenure where you had nothing to work with year one. But like at that point, people are like, do we get rid of Getsy? Is this the wrong offense? What's going on here? And then, yeah, if, if they have a nice get right game against Minnesota, it's one of those where, hey, we're one and five or two and four, but we're feeling a lot better because we just it's it's amazing. It's like it's like going out and shooting 115 at your local Muni, but absolutely just throwing a dart on your last approach shot, like two feet from the <laughs> hole, you know, like, all right, that's why I keep golfing for that one shot. It's yeah. the same thing. Like you can, uh, you can have this team that shit and is losing, but if they have just, just electric, like three touchdowns, two more on the ground and put up like 42 points against Minnesota, it's mm-hmm. funny how like all is forgiven. Like, oh man, we have some. We have so much season left. And there's so much upside. Yeah. This offense is unlimited, man. I realistically, my read on the schedule is they're going to dig themselves all and then start digging themselves out. And the Bears are going to be an interesting bet on team through the middle towards the end of the season as they go against defenses that can't match up with Fields. And there's a lot of them on their schedule, but they come later in the season. The no dress disadvantages. Uh, they have a tough little travel. Uh, situation where they're traveling four weeks out of five, but all of those road games are pretty short trips, so no big deal there. Yeah, um, yeah, and so yeah, ultimately, like I get the feeling that best case scenario for us as betters is the Bears um, stink early and are a value play in game by game and team totals and totals in general as we come into the uh, the meat of the season in October, November, and into December, uh, which brings us to some odds and why you know figure out what uh, what we want to do with this information. Andy, any got you got any reads here? Oh. Boy, in the NFC, anything's possible. But like you said, even if if things shake out, and let's say it just love doesn't work and Vikings massively regress, the Lions didn't actually fix anything on their defense, still kind of a middling team. The Bears win the division with eight or nine wins, end up in the playoffs, which would be just amazing, but possible at the second half of the season, okay. looking at that schedule. Okay. It's like, man, they got to win three games. I don't feel good about 25 to one, even then. No, it's no, like, no. It's Super like, Bowl, man, no. At, at some Bowl, point, they're going to. is no bet. At some NFC, point, they're going to have to play the fucking no Eagles or, yeah. you know, the Niners or whatever. You know, there's going to be a good team and it's just going to, it's going to go real poorly with a, a young quarterback and inexperienced head coach. Like, I just, I, I don't need any of that. They're, they're, yeah. They're, they're not a team I want to be looking at long term. It's not quite long enough for the North for me, although people, people have made some cases for this make playoffs number isn't big enough. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wrote about it a few weeks back and I said, I'm going to just place a future bet on every team. And the only thing that really stuck out, it's like, what if, you know, the, the long tail happens here and it doesn't even have to be that long. Cause look, their win total seven and a half. And that's a big adjustment from last year, obviously. But I mean, Teams just don't win three games year after year, unless you're Cleveland in the you know the past ten years there, where they had that real rough stretch. So you know, even though their win total is set essentially, where we think a lot of times they win eight games, if they win eight nine games, still miss the playoffs. Like nine games is six games better than last year. That's enough. Like that's essentially what you had from all the teams that had coaches in the coach of the year race. 
like making the playoffs, I think would solidify, obviously winning the division by accident would, would maybe solidify this a lot, but when you have a three win season, you're just sitting in this catbird seat for coach of the year. And there was a, there was a 14 to one on Eberflus. Like I, it's just, what is the bet if the bears play really, really well? Like we just said, I don't think they have the, the huts, hutzpah to, did somebody even say that? Is, did someone accept me into saying that by putting it in the chat? Chutzpah. The Hutzpah. I don't think they have what it takes to win three or four playoff games, obviously. No, 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 no. So, so like, what, what is the bet other than, you know, a win total over okay. and all win total over? It's like, if I want a little bit of a bigger number, like yep. Eberflus to win coach of the year, if he gets nine wins and maybe is, you know, wild card or talk in talks of being a wild card the last few weeks mm-hmm. like i didn't hate that otherwise everything on the board here i kind of despise i gotta tell you if the situation works itself out that the bears win the nfc north there will be a stink on that division to where people are unwilling to give eberflus as much credit as needed to get the award right yeah, i think i think like they, i right? think nine and nine and eight yeah, as a wild card is better than nine and eight as the yeah. division winner. As far yeah, it's going to be yeah, it's, it's going to be like Tampa Bay backing themselves into the NFC South last year. Like you know, it, it, people are going to be like, God, man, because the Bears Bears winning the NFC North means everybody else in the NFC North takes take significant yeah. steps backwards. And and the big and as Birdie's asking, I don't think this roster improved by six games. No, I don't either. But I don't think they were a three win team last year, and. Sure. They have enough coin flips on their schedule where all they need is a little bit of positive regression in the in the close games, a, a few coin flips to land their way, a long kick here and there, and yeah. boom, they just they have nine wins because they have a, an easy enough right. schedule. Here's here's realistically, we can keep you know NFC North four twenty. No, thank you. Yes, no. Prices out of control there. No, the way too much optimism around the Bears as they currently exist. Honestly, Bears win loss week one against the Packers to me tells me four and one versus zero oh and five to start. Like that's really what we're looking at here. I yeah, think. And, who brought a, somebody mm-hmm. brought this up the other day, Drew on Wednesday. The the in season win totals. Sure. Like sure. if they start zero and five and they offer me a win total of like four and a half, five and a half. Sure. No, that dude, might be something to Andy, look at. Hold hold on to your butts because I will be bringing up the Chicago Bears price to win the NFC North when we do our uh, our week six week preview five, pod. Six. Our week six preview pod of Bears versus hosting the Minnesota Vikings. I will be asking you, do you think Bears 20, 20 to one to win this NFC North one. is a bet? Yes. Is it a bet? That is absolutely where we are going here. And similarly, anything you want to bet positively about the Bears, like in the awards market, the only thing that stands out is Justin Fields' offensive player of the year. I think you can be patient on that because I specifically think these defenses he has to go through through the first five weeks are are built well enough to and, make him have a tough time that, you know. And maybe that's the case for everything we've posited. If we've said yeah. a win total over, an alt-win total over, offensive player of the year, Coach of the year, even coach of the year is a, yeah, is a market that's up every if week. I said yeah. 14 to one. The, the odds of them starting 0 and 5 or 1 and 4 is so great. Maybe we could ever flush at 35, 40, 50. Who knows? Like, and uh, yeah, hmm. possible he, he, again. Having a losing streak at the beginning of the season, it's just like college football, man. Nobody cares about that week one loss when you're suddenly ripping and you're in the SEC title game again. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things where what have you done for me lately? And if if he does lead them to some late season success in some of these coin flip games, uh, I, I think that's probably a good look. I think we're going to look at a bunch of bad, different Bears future prices after that first five-game stretch. Yep. Uh, range of outcomes for me is pretty wide. Um, I think we're talking about the ceiling being a wild card, super wild card home loss. Uh, and we're talking about the floor being the number one pick next year. Yeah. I'm between like realistically four and 10 wins and probably four and nine and a half, like 10, 10 feels a little silly. Yeah. 10 does feel silly. I think nine, I think nine is probably their ceiling, but I do think nine could, you know, there are plenty of worlds where nine is good enough to win the NFC North because the NFC North is pretty, pretty suspect. Um, Betting plan of attack for these guys. I think realistically, if you're going up against a, a a couple of monsters in the middle, a defensive player of the year candidate uh, on the D line and the interior, then the Bears are an underbet that day. And I think if they are going up against defense that has huge question marks, 
can't really force pressure and or has a secondary with some young players that can be fooled, I think the Bears are a bet on and an overplay that day. And I don't really get a feel one way or the other of there being a halftime bet, which is tough because they're on primetime four times. <laughs> and we're going to have to make some tough questions about uh, you know what this coaching staff mean, you know, has in their back pocket for adjustments because right now that is a huge incomplete. So far, everything we got from the staff showed they knew how to make a good game plan and they knew how to make some adjustments at halftime to make sure they lost. Yeah. So, and, and somebody, you know, Matt Porter's asking her, they're better prices to just play the long tail of the downside. I'm not even sure if you should, if should be the long tail to the downside. If you want to, if you really buy the crap we're selling right now, <laughs> maybe it's an under seven and a half wins uh, coming back with the, like an over five in the live market. You know, there, there's a chance yeah. you, could, you could try to find a middle on six or seven. Uh, I, oh, don't, I don't know. If the, that's that's the fat, meaty part of the distribution yeah, that, for me. There's a really big. That's the meat of the distribution for me. Six, seven. Yeah. yeah. 100%. I completely agree with you. Yeah. So, yeah, betting plan Bear is. down. It is uh, very dependent on the defense they're playing because this could be a very big over team. And like you said, with Denver, this could be, that could be a really ugly game, even if the weather's fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All mm-hmm. right, let's uh, let's put a bow on that teddy bear and move on with our day. We'll do a little quick pause if you're watching live. 